Because we all have some feminine and some masculine parts of our psyches, of our personalities, our dreams often use male and female characters or images to describe our inner dynamics and whether these parts of our psyche are working together or working against each other. From dreams of dead deer to snakes in the sand, crystal wishbones to bus journeys, I'll show you how to make sense of the language of dreams. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. My goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so that you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. Okay, so this week I have three Reddit dreams for you and then a conversation with a dreamer where we come to some interesting conclusions about what the dream is describing in his life right now. I know I talk about masculine and feminine a lot, but I do like to have a theme for each episode and... I think that the psychological and archetypal meanings of male and female deserve a lot of attention because they show up so commonly in dreams. And I just want to remind you that when we use the words masculine and feminine, we're not referring to hard and fast gender rules because depth psychologists believe that every psyche has aspects that are more masculine and aspects that are more feminine. That's what helps us have balance. And so when dreams have both male and female characters in them, they're probably talking about some of the inner dynamics that are going on at the time between the different parts of the dreamer's psyche. So just remember when we're talking about masculine and feminine characteristics, we don't mean that men are only supposed to have the masculine ones and women are only supposed to cultivate the feminine ones. There's a time and a place to use all of these different aspects of ourselves. I know that some people really object to what they see as overgeneralizations or stereotypes, but that's not the point. I wish we had better terminology sometimes. I mean, in Asian cultures, they use the concept of yin and yang, which loosely translates to more masculine things and more feminine things, but without some of the more messy gender issues. But we're stuck with English because that's the only language I know. So we're going to use masculine and feminine. Here's our first dream from a female Redditor. And as always, dreams are only used with the dreamer's permission. Last year, I had four dreams where I would see the legs of dead deer scattered on the ground. I would often see my boyfriend or family members in them, and I would be urbexing. I've never gone on an urbex, and I've looked up why I'm dreaming about dead deer parts, and one website said I'm letting go of my inner child, and another one said I'm predicting an illness. Can someone confirm this? Thanks. Full disclosure, I had to Google urbexing because I haven't heard of that before, but for those of you who are old like me... It stands for Urban Expedition, and it's a hobby where people search through and photograph abandoned urban areas. So that's what the kids these days mean by urbexing. Now's the time to pause if you'd like to try interpreting for yourself. So we have a series of dreams about dead deer parts in abandoned urban areas while the dreamer is exploring them. Let's examine the dream geography first because the process of exploring abandoned urban areas is a metaphor for this dreamer exploring new areas of her psyche. I think that image of abandoned urban areas is really interesting because it's different than, you know, some unpopulated rural area. Abandoned urban areas are places where there used to be civilization. There used to be people who built up the area, but now it's been abandoned for some reason 
whether it's because it's unsafe or whether it's because all the buildings got too old and were too hard to keep up. Any of those could have psychological meanings, right? So this dreamer is exploring areas of her psyche that used to be inhabited, whether it was by her or whether it was by, you know, older members of her family or older members of her culture or something. But now they've been abandoned and she's exploring them again. So when these dreams were occurring, I wonder what unused or uninhabited or abandoned parts of her psyche she was getting closer to and trying to find out more about. And then there's the image of the dead deer. What do deer symbolize? Well, in general, deer are a very feminine kind of animal. I mean, I know there are like the big buck deer with the big antlers that hunters want to hunt. But if we think about how a deer acts and what it does, they're gentle, they're graceful, they're herbivores, not carnivores. They are pretty skittish and tend to run away. They're pastoral. And all of those characteristics are more along the lines of the feminine than some kind of aggressive masculine animal. And let's just review feminine versus masculine here. So in general, the feminine is more about connection and cooperation. The feminine is more about inner work and inner knowing and passive reflection. It can be more about love and nurturing. It tends to have a slower pace. It can be more natural, more about nature. It can be more literal to be about birth and incubation. In contrast, more masculine attributes include being out in the world and getting things done. Uh, the masculine tends to be more aggressive, tends to be more about separation rather than connection in terms of setting boundaries and classifying things and sorting things and putting them in the right boxes. The masculine is more about order and reason and the logical and the rational. So if the dreamer is dreaming of dead and dismembered deer, I think that means that there's some feminine part of her psyche that is being killed, is being dismembered, has not been being taken care of, and is getting discarded in these abandoned urban areas. And so I asked her to think about what more feminine parts of her psyche might be feeling dead or dismembered and abandoned right now, or back when she was having the dream. And she replied, Wow, this is really fascinating. I'm pretty familiar with feminine and masculine sides because I sometimes read tarot cards, but it makes perfect sense, actually. At the time of these dreams, I was entering a new relationship that wasn't really healthy for me, and it was a really rocky six months. But then we made a turning point and something changed. Our relationship got better and we're great now, pretty much always on the same wavelength, and he treats me really well. That's actually when the dream stopped. So this is a pretty cool and accurate analysis. Thank you so much. So that makes sense. She was having these dreams during a difficult six months in her relationship, which whenever we have conflict and difficulty in relationships, we're often pushed to explore new parts of ourselves as we try to figure out how to fix this and how to mold ourselves into a shape that will better be able to get along with the other person as each person grows and changes. 
And she didn't give us details about specifically which parts of the feminine, but often when you're in a difficult relationship, it's because each partner doesn't really understand the more foreign parts of the other. So that men have trouble understanding the more feminine parts of their partners and vice versa. And so my suspicion is that somehow this dreamer didn't have the freedom to fully express her feminine side at first in this relationship until they got things worked out after that six-month period. And interestingly, she says, after the turning point, these dreams ended. And that's a good sign, too, because if she hadn't really addressed those issues and this was already a recurring dream, the dream would have continued to recur. So the fact that her unconscious doesn't need to give her that message anymore, that parts of her feminine are getting killed off, means that she really has successfully addressed the issue. So good for them. That makes me happy. Here's the next dream from a 19-year-old female. I dreamt that I was at the beach with my boyfriend, and we decided to look at the rip current by adding green dye to the water and watching where it goes. Everything was normal. The dye got sucked out to sea, split into two paths that circled back towards the shore. But instead of just dissipating at the shoreline, the dye was getting sucked into some underwater cave on both sides. My boyfriend and I each decided to explore a cave, and we split up. So I enter this cave, and a little ways in, it starts getting narrower. So I dig in the sand to get further into the tunnel, and I notice the sand is starting to change in color and texture, getting more orange-beige and much more coarse. I take one more handful of sand and see a snake sitting in the middle of the narrow tunnel ahead of me. It matched the sand pretty well, and it had a roughly triangle-shaped head, so I knew it was venomous. I screamed and jumped backwards, and it struck at me, and then I woke up. To give a little background on me, I'm currently quarantined with my family, so I suspect it may have something to do with my anxieties about the pandemic. There's the dream. So, wow, how archetypal is this one? We've got ocean, we've got shoreline, we've got sand, caves, snakes. Lots to see in this one. Okay, so we're at the beach. So we're already at a border. We're at the border of land and sea. And if the ocean and water often represent the unconscious, then we're at the border of where the conscious land meets the unconscious sea. And so we're already in an area of exploration and inner growth, in my opinion, because that's what happens at this shoreline where we're doing work on what used to be unconscious, but maybe is coming into consciousness now. The dreamer is there with her boyfriend, so we've got both masculine and feminine parts acting together, and they release a green dye into the water so that they can look at the currents. Well, that's a really fascinating image to me because it's like investigating the currents and the tracks of the unconscious, right? If I put this dye in, let's watch where it goes. Let's watch the progression. Let's see what lights up with this dye and the dye is green, that could symbolize a lot of different things. So it would really depend on the dreamer. Green can be a symbol of you know nature and of lushness. It can be a symbol of envy, of course, like green with envy. It can be a symbol of money or prosperity. So it would depend on the specific circumstances of her life right now. But I would say that Whichever part of the unconscious she's trying to explore with this dye, it has something to do with those associations of green. 
So they see the die go out to sea and then split into two paths that come back toward the shore. And they would expect it to just dissipate at the shoreline as the waves come in and out. But instead, they see that the die is getting sucked into an underwater cave on both sides. So I'm seeing this as almost like mirror images where we've got the girlfriend and the boyfriend in this dream and the die is going out and then coming back on the two different sides into two caves on two different sides. And they each decide they're going to explore one of the caves. So this definitely seems to be an image that's more integrated, right? The male and female aren't in conflict at all. They're acting together. They're actually splitting the work and each taking half of it. They're each going to explore one of the caves. So right now, on this particular issue at least, her male and female aspects are in balance. So they notice that the green dye is going down into these caves. And, of course, the direction of going down suggests going deeper, going deeper into the unconscious, digging a little bit deeper. And the image of caves is like a tunnel, like a certain path through the unconscious. And she mentions that as she goes into the cave and then starts to go a little ways in, the cave gets narrower and narrower. So to me, this seems like an image of focusing, of narrowing down, of entering somewhere that's getting harder and harder to make progress. It's not a wide, easy path. It's a, a narrow cave that she starts having to dig in the sand to get further into it. And then the sand changes from fine in texture to more orange and more coarse in texture. I don't have a specific meaning for this. I would need to have more of a conversation with her. But in general, going from more of a normal light sandy color to orange tends to mean it's a warmer color. You're getting warmer. Orange can be a color of fire or the sun, but it just seems to be an image of, of heat and of energy. Actually, now that I think about it, that image of going into a cave also seems a bit feminine in direction, like going back into the womb. Archetypally, caves used to be seen as entrances to the womb of Mother Earth. And so digging through this orange sand that has the connotation of warmth and energy in this tunnel that seems rather feminine suggests to me that whatever this dream is about, that it is in the realm of the feminine. Because the dream has chosen to show her her perspective, right? The her in the dream, which is the girlfriend. It didn't choose to show her the perspective of the boyfriend figure, the masculine figure who's exploring the other cave. So, And she's digging in this orange coarse sand until she sees a snake sitting in the middle of the tunnel. And it seems like a venomous snake and it strikes at her and then she wakes up. I suppose you could see the image of a snake in a cave as rather sexual, but that seems a little too precise to me and not really to fit the rest of the dream. Because sure, in general, one connotation of snakes as symbols could be a somewhat phallic shape, but there are other meanings of snakes as well. Because snakes live on the ground or even underground, they're associated with the earth and with the unconscious. So they're associated more with instincts, the more reptilian parts of our brains. They can also be associated with 
healing. If you listen to my Asclepian Temple episode, you'll know that snakes were important to the Greek god of healing, and the Greeks associated them with a powerful ability to heal. Snakes can also be associated with transformation because they shed their skin. And so they can be symbols of a new beginning, shedding the skin and becoming something else. And the fact that this snake strikes at the dreamer means that whatever it is that the snake is symbolizing, she finds it threatening. It doesn't seem like an easy, positive kind of thing to do. Putting it all together, I think the transformation aspect of the snake makes the most sense because when we look back at the whole dream, we've said that the dream is taking place, you know, at the border between conscious and unconscious and that the dye that they released is being taken underground. They're using the dye to track the currents of whatever's going on in the unconscious right now. And she has to dig in this tunnel to get further and further, looking for where the tunnel ends. But then she finds the snake that threatens her and that wakes her up. Remember the last sentence that she typed in her Reddit post, which was, I'm currently quarantined with my family, so I suspect it may have something to do with my anxieties about the pandemic. And I make a lot from these little extra sentences that people type. You know, sometimes we see them just as throwaways or as, you know, their explanation of why they're posting this on Reddit. But I think often it's the unconscious kind of prompting them to type that extra information and that often dreamers are on the way to starting to interpret their own dreams without knowing it. So the dreamer already thinks that this dream has something to do with the pandemic. And that makes sense to me. I mean, when we're all pushed out of our normal lives and we're quarantined and we're seeing our families a lot more than we used to, we are having to confront some of the issues in our unconscious. We're having to confront some of our complexes, some of our shadow stuff, some of the parts of ourselves that when we're busy in our everyday lives, we can kind of repress and pretend that they're not there. But to me, this dream is probably about the process of the pandemic bringing new things to light, pulling that green dye deeper into her psyche than it's been before and causing her to go digging in that tunnel until she hits something, possibly some part of herself represented by the snake that could be ready for transformation and shedding its skin. But it seems a bit threatening and not comfortable and scary and dangerous. And so the snake strikes at her and she wakes up. But I still think this dream is about, you know, the capacity for that transformation and the possibility that even among all the negativity of the pandemic, there's that capacity for doing some inner work during this time. Her response to me was, thank you for taking the time to reply. This has given me more to think about, and I believe that it certainly makes sense in regard to what's going on around me right now. What an interesting analysis. So not a lot of extra details there, but this is such an archetypal dream that I think it has elements that can be relevant to a lot of other people's dreams too. So I hope you found that instructive. Okay, here's our third dream, which actually dovetails pretty nicely with the last one. I literally just woke up from a dream that I was underground in this dark tunnel. Then I got washed out by water into a beautiful underground pool or lake. I had a blue glow outlining my body, and so did the people I saw in the pool. There were also people with an orange-red glow outlining their body. 
There were two elemental gods, fire and water. These gods looked like charcoal monsters. The water god had blue streaks running through him, and the fire god had orange-red streaks running through him. Somehow, the gods were calling us, and we started to be covered in a golden hue, still holding our blue or orange glows. But suddenly, we all started floating, out from the underground into the dark sky. It was night, and there were no stars or trees, grass buildings, nothing. Once we were in the air, we saw the gods. They crushed us into crystals, still holding our blue or orange color, and formed us into a wishbone. The orange crystals on one side, and the blue crystals on the other side of the wishbone. We still had a golden hue. The fire god broke his side of the wishbone, the orange side, and it made this beautiful clink sound, and the orange crystals, who, keep in mind, are still all the people, fell from the sky as one. The water god broke his side, and we all fell from the sky as one, too. Weirdly, I woke up from my dream, but still in a dream. I explained to my stepbrother in the dream that I was in purgatory and the people with the orange glow were horrible people who did horrible things, and the people with the blue glow were good people who didn't follow the rules. This was one of the coolest and weirdest dreams I've ever had, and I'm desperate for answers. Okay, this is an interesting one and not as complicated as it sounds, so don't worry. So the dream starts with the dreamer underground in a dark tunnel. So already we know we're in the realm of the unconscious under the earth. And then she gets washed out by water into an underground pool or lake. So now she's not only underground in the unconscious, but there's water supporting her as well. So we're definitely in an inner area. This dream is definitely about the dynamics going on inside her right now, somehow. So, let's make some more meaning out of that. She's one of the blue glow people. And then there are also people there with an orange or red glow. So that's kind of like two opposites. The orange or red seems more warm, the blue seems more cool. Because this dream is so clearly about half and half the blue people and the orange people, the water god and the fire god... I tried to think about which genders would fit. And to me, I think that the blue people would be more feminine, not only because the dreamer is feminine and a blue person, but because blue is a cooler color. It's more passive. It's calmer. makes me think of serenity. Whereas orange or red have a lot of heat. They have a lot of energy. They're fire colors. And... To me, that's more like the masculine, aggressive energy that's going to go out and get things done. And she sees the fire god and the water god that both look like charcoal monsters with either blue or orange-red streaks running through them. And again, both fire and water have immense power, but I think of fire as more active. It acts quicker. It's more devouring in a way, so it still seems more on the masculine side. Whereas water's power is more in the quenching and the weight of it. And water is more passive as far as it takes the shape of its container and can't escape the container. So the water god is more feminine and the fire god is more masculine. And then all the people in this lake start floating up into the air and they change into crystals, or she says the gods crush them into crystals. Some people are bluish crystals with a gold glow, and some people are orange-red crystals with a gold glow. And the gods form them into the shape of a wishbone with 
one color on one side and one color on the other. And then the gods break each side of the wishbone, making a clink sound, and the crystals or people all cascade from the sky. So that moment of all the people being formed into a two-sided wishbone seems like an attempt at integration, trying to meld all of these people into one entity. But eventually it ends up breaking apart so the integration isn't quite successful. But I want to look at that image of a wishbone a little more closely too, because that's a very specific shape. And I started thinking about what it could mean that the crystals were put into the shape of a wishbone rather than just two halves of the same circle or along a line or something like that. And when I think about a wishbone, I think about where it's located in a bird. You may know this from eating turkey at Thanksgiving or something, but the wishbone sits in the middle of the chest of a bird. It sits at the front of the breast over the heart. So to me, it's a symbol of heart and of centering, like the center of being. So when all the crystals are formed into this wishbone, it seems like that melding of masculine and feminine for a brief time until the wishbone gets broken again. And then there's the coda to the dream where she wakes up but is still in the dream talking to her stepbrother. And she says that the dream happened in purgatory and that the people with the orange glow were horrible people who did horrible things, and the people with the blue glow were good people who didn't follow the rules. And so if we're following our masculine and feminine theme, then to me this dream would be about inner dynamics where she was kind of demonizing her masculine side, saying that masculine fiery energy is what fuels bad people who do bad things, and... The feminine energy is good people, but people who didn't follow the rules, which also kind of makes sense. Masculine is more about following rules and logic and order, and the feminine is more about intuitively doing what seems right at the time, regardless of the rules. So overall, this seems to me to be a message about those dynamics between how she's seeing her masculine parts and how she's seeing her feminine parts while she's clearly trying to identify with the feminine since she's a blue crystal with a blue glow. So I floated that interpretation to her, and here's her response. This interpretation is outstanding. I actually resonated with a lot of what you said. I'm a short-tempered person, and actually last night I got into a fight with my boyfriend, going to sleep sad but angry. I have a very peaceful side to me, and I've been thinking about putting my energy there rather than my irrational side. Thanks so much for the interpretation of this. I tried to look online, but I couldn't type anything general enough to get definitions. Ha ha. Yeah, I know that that can be difficult. So with that extra information, we can see why if she had just been in a fight and went to bed sad and angry, we can see that those masculine orange red people were representing that aggressive, getting angry, fighting with the boyfriend kind of energy. And the blue crystals, the more feminine parts, are, you know, the part she's trying to move more toward. She says she's trying to put her energy in the more peaceful side of herself. So I think the overall message of the dream was that her unconscious wants her to prioritize those water parts of her over the fire parts by showing her 
but in the dream, that's where she's identifying more closely. All right, so today my guest is Lance, who sent me in the dream that he's going to tell us soon, and we're going to discuss it and see what we can make of it. So hi, Lance. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Hi, Amy. Glad to be here. All right. So go ahead and just read your dream for us. I'm in the car with two women. One has gray hair and she's in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat and there's another woman in the back. We're driving through an area that's really green and lush. The driver starts talking about her house and how she just got an appraisal for a million dollars and she's really excited about it. Then she starts talking about how neighborhoods nearby are trying to become part of the HOA that she belongs to and that they have to buy in, which seems really strange to me. And then suddenly the, the outside changes and we're in like a cityscape, but not a really densely populated a cityscape with lots of vacant lots, kind of like some places in L.A., uh, we're driving along, going to some particular place that I, I don't know where we're headed. But at some point, I tell her to pull over to the curb um, and then I'll take a bus home. We all get out of the car, we hug each other goodbye, and I walk a little bit further up the street to the bus stop and wait for the bus. And then my sister comes along and I tell her that I just realized I've been in drag all day and that my beard must be showing through the makeup. And then I notice that there are people around, other people around. It's not just my sister and I anymore. And this guy poked me in the butt and... And then pokes me in the chest. Mind you, I'm still dressed as a woman, so he's poking me in the boob, basically. And then I get angry, and I start screaming at them. And during this scuffle, I have a bag of groceries, and I drop I drop some of the groceries out of the bag, which one of the things is an onion. I actually noticed later that, that, that it's missing. My sister and I walk, walk away. We go to another bus stop. As we're walking, I have a box of Frosted Flakes that I've taken out of the grocery bag. And for some reason, it's almost completely empty. My sister tells me she's going to catch another bus, so she walks walks away. I tell her I'll see her later. And then I walk to another bus stop. Anyway, so the bus comes along. Um, I get into the end of the bus, but the front of the bus is not like a regular bus. It's like the cab of a, a semi-truck. And there's a female bus driver, and there are two guys sitting like in the middle of the bench seat. And I get in, I sit on the passenger side near the window. I look over at the guy next to me and he's like really good looking Latino guy with really beautiful dark eyes. And he started giving me this, uh, you know, sexy eye look and we don't say anything to each other. Um, and we drive on a little ways and they need to get out. So I get out of the cab to let them out as he's passing me. He looks at me, but he doesn't have the, the googly eye look anymore. I'm a little taken aback by that. I'm not sure what the emotion was, but I'm a little taken aback by that. And I get back in the bus when I get back and I tell the bus driver I need a transfer. And she says that they're one cent each, which I think is kind of strange because who pays for transfers? But anyway, so she hands me these two transfers and they're like on handwritten cards instead of like the paper printed ones. And then for a moment, I have the two transfers and two pennies in my hand. Um, and for some reason, after the dream, that really stuck with me is this, this image of the two handwritten cards or transfers and the two pennies. So then I ask her, so it costs money now for transfers? Uh, she says yes, although sometimes she lets people get on without paying for the transfers. She just tells them to pretend to be asleep. So we get to my stop, I get out, um, and the dream ends. So just to recap for people, so the first part of the dream, you're driving with the two women, the one who just got a new house and people want to belong to her HOA. And then you decide you don't want to be in that car anymore. You're going to take a bus home and get to the bus stop where you meet your sister and realize that you've been in drag all day. And then the guys 
assault you minorly and you get mad and drop your groceries. And then you go to another bus stop and the bus comes and you get in with the three guys and the driver. And then the guys get out and you ask the driver for the transfers. And then finally you get to your stop and you're done. Okay, so let's go part by part. Because when I read this dream, I was like, oh, I need to know some more about some of the emotions that you're feeling and, you know, some of the extra stuff. So that's why I was like, we need to talk about this dream instead of me just sending you a, a written interpretation of it. So it starts out that you're somewhere kind of like L.A., which is where you grew up, right? No, it starts off in someplace more like rolling hills. It doesn't remind me of L.A. at all. Right. It's like someplace lush and green with the rolling hills. Okay, got it. And you guys are driving around. And do you have the sense that these women are your friends, that you know them or you don't know them? I get the sense that they're friends. Okay. And she's excited that her house just got appraised for a million dollars. So that seems like riches or assets or wealth or something. Does it seem like she doesn't really think it's worth that much and that's why she's so excited? Or Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe. I'm not trying to inception you. If that doesn't click, then that's fine. This is a really good appraisal. Not so much. What a surprise. Like, it's not worth that much. Does that make sense? Yeah. She's the driver. So she's the, already the one that's kind of in charge and she's piloting you guys around. And then we also find out she's got this really nice expensive house. So she has assets. And we find out that other people want to be part of that HOA too. And they have to like buy in to do it. So I'm getting the the picture that this woman is like large and in charge. And she's got all these assets and everybody wants to be like her or something. Belong to the HOA, have a house like her. Is that the feeling that you get? Like she's got it all together? I know. The, the part of that that seemed most significant when I had the dream was... At least the most significant about um, the HOA thing was that it was like a whole neighborhood that wanted to join this other whole neighborhood for some reason. Oh, so it's like a bunch of people that are wanting to come together and create a bigger neighborhood that they'll have in common. Yeah, I think so. But there's something about the original neighborhood that makes it a value because they have to buy in to get into it, to, to, to join them. Yeah. Okay. That seemed good then. Because to me... If she's one of the main women in your dream, she probably, well, you know how when I interpret dreams, I often say that the other characters are parts of yourself, right? So I'm trying to figure out which part of yourself she represents. And it's definitely somebody who is in charge, is the one that's driving, has riches and resources, and other people want to be around her too. And I like this image of the neighborhood wanting to come together and have a common HOA and like be more like each other. It seems like an image of drawing more resources and people and parts of yourself into your circle and like integrating more. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. I think it also speaks to like trying to make larger community. Yeah. I mean, then that kind of parallels a little bit. I know over the past few years, you bought a new house in a different area and you have been working on making community, right? Right. Yeah. Do you feel like when you had the stream that you have been taking steps to make your community bigger somehow? Well, yeah, that's pretty much what this whole second half of the COVID thing has been about is sort of like trying to build community while we're staying home. <laughs> 
Right. Well, that's a really funny layer then because your dream isn't using the image of people themselves coming together. Your dream is make, using the image of a whole bunch of houses in different neighborhoods coming together because we are all kind of identified with our houses right now, right? So to be community, we have to like lump all of our houses together. Ooh, I like that. Definite pandemic detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. It's like you have to enlarge your neighborhood house by house and household by household because we can't just all go out in a mob anymore. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. And there's definitely something about the driver being sort of in charge. Like you said, she's in the driver's seat. Yeah. And the fact that she's female, I mean, it is the more feminine parts of our personality that are in general more about connection, whereas the masculine parts are more about, you know, going out in the world and getting stuff done. And so it makes sense that she would be the one making these connections between neighborhoods. Yeah, It's interesting that she has the wealth and the assets and the house and everything. So maybe the stream may also be saying that, like, you have more more assets to the more feminine parts of yourself than the masculine parts right now. Well, there's a couple of the standout characters in the dream that were male, and that's the one who was assaulting me and the the cute boy on the bus and his friend, but they, they weren't important characters. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So good segue. So now we're not in the lush green rolling hills anymore. We're in a place that feels more like L.A. And the woman's driving along to somewhere, but you're not wanting to go wherever that's going to be anymore. So you have her pull over so that you can take a bus home. Right. Do you have a sense that you knew where it was and it was someplace you didn't want to go? Or was this just kind of you being like, you know, I'm ready to get back to my own place? Or what's your sense of that? Uh, no, it's more like the two women had someplace they needed to go and I needed to get home. Okay. So you're waiting for the bus and then a lot of this happens on the bus and around the bus. Right. What are your associations with using the bus for transit is that something that you did a lot i'm asking like what the bus means for you right what does the bus mean to me um well there there have been times in my life when that was the only way of getting around you know i didn't own own a car at the time in los angeles not owning a car is kind of a big deal because everybody has a car in la Mm -hmm. much harder to get take buses places yeah you know the thought that occurs to me is that in la the only time i had to use the buses when I was too broke to own a car. Mm, that's kind of a picture of you being a bit opposite of the woman with the, the car in the fancy house. Right. Okay, so now you meet your sister and you've just realized that you've been in drag all day and you're worried about your beard showing. Yeah. So is that like make you <laughs> surprised? Does it make you embarrassed? Or are you like laughing about it? Or what's the emotion around that with your sister? No weirdness about the drag. I'm more like upset that it's showing through. My beard is showing. Yeah. Interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about your associations with that? Is that something you've done or there are people in your life that have done that a lot? Like tell tell us the story a little bit. When I first came out um, as gay, I did drag fairly frequently. I, my first boyfriend was uh, did drag. So I did drag with him. And the first bar that I hung out with was uh, a... Uh, drag bar in LA. So there's that. And then my ex of 11 years, he was doing drag. Or they were doing drag like the last more than half of the relationship, mm-hmm. I think. Is there a reason why you think the drag came up right now then? Has that been active lately? My ex and I have been speaking to each other again and they came out as non-binary recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole drag and more female expression and you know, my ex changed their name to Jamie and 
is now using they them pronouns and so yeah so that that all is <laughs> colored my life right now so yeah and so it's, yeah so it makes sense why the pure masculine guys who were like poking at you and whatever would be kind of in conflict there yeah that's interesting because because this is probably also brought up that that conflict is probably something that's going on with me inside mm. right now mm-hmm. because of the jamie's coming out it's probably stirred up some conflicts of my own yeah as far as dealing with changing his identity to their identity and what that meant for you is that what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so now you're with your sister and you're just as a woman and you really want to preserve the appearance of that because you're even worried your beard is showing through so that you don't look as feminine and now these guys come and basically assault you and poke you and you get mad yes because i know you a little bit i don't often see you get mad so this immediate defending yourself and getting angry right away struck me as powerful or something what what do you think were you surprised that you defended yourself or that just seemed pretty natural or it didn't seem weird in the dream. Okay. Yeah, maybe it should have been because, yeah, I don't know. No, I think it's great. I mean, if it was super natural in the dream, then that's that's good. You should defend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you are defending yourself, but in the process, you've been holding groceries and you lose some of the food. So to me, that's kind of an image of in order to defend yourself, you have to put something down or you're losing groceries or you're losing some food or nourishment, kind of like it's a it's a trade-off somehow. Right. That makes sense. Remembering that it was the onion for sure is interesting. I guess I think of onion as, you know, flavoring and it's not something that you eat on its own, but it's something that you use to, to spice up your cooking or something. So you're losing that for some reason. And the only thing I could think about initially thought about the onion is it something that makes you cry. Oh, interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And well, and that makes sense because defending yourself and getting angry is very different than crying. So you have to drop the onion that would make you cry in order to defend yourself against these people. <gasps> that's a really good image. I'm glad you thought of that. Yeah. That's fascinating. And see how that's like some little tiny detail of the dream that's almost like a throwaway or whatever. But because you realize that like that's what you think about onions. <gasps> so yes. Well, listen to your podcast enough that I know that those little things, they matter. They're in the dream for a reason. They're not just there because um and the other thing I just just thought of about that onion is that it's it's layered. Mm. An onion is, you know, a metaphor for different layers of whatever, you know. Hmm. Yeah, because the image of like being in drag and being feminine is like a more outer layer. And then it's a bit more of an inner layer to, you know, access your aggression and be able to defend yourself. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I like that. OK, see, you're good. You need to you need to interpret. <laughs> too. I'll expect to see you on Reddit any day now. So I'll start a rival podcast. <laughs> OK, good. Then we can pimp each other's podcasts and we'll both get famous. Sound <laughs> You'll probably have more stories than I do from all the crazy people you meet at work. OK, so you remember that you have an almost empty box of Frosted Flakes. Yes, I take a box of Frosted Flakes out of the bag and it's almost empty. Is it because you already ate it or they sold it to you that way? This could be actually a detail that came from outside because I read, I don't know, I read something that was talking about um, about guys and how they always, they leave, you know, like tiny bits of cereal in the, the box. So I think that's how that got into the dream. My sister's husband does that all the time. I like pick up the cereal box and it's totally empty. I'm like, ah, 
So the onion had fallen out of your grocery bag and you didn't have it, but you have something that's kind of the opposite, which is this sweet cereal. That's almost like a treat or something. And anything else about Frosted Flakes? Was that like your favorite thing as a kid or something you have a memory about or anything? No, I'm trying not to eat sugar right now. I mean, I'm doing a pretty good job of not eating sugar. So maybe that's might be from that too. Yeah. Okay. So this guy's kind of flirting with you. And then he and his and the other guy have to get out. So you step out to let them out. And then he's not flirting with you anymore. Tell me more about that. Does it feel like he turned on you or something? A little bit. It was a little bit like, what, what, what happened? (laughs) You guys didn't really talk to each other or anything, though? Not that I remember. No, I don't think we did. Okay. There wasn't really any conversation in the bus except for between me and the driver. So, yeah, it's like the the times when guys show up in your dream, they're either poking at you and assaulting you in a minor way or flirting with you and then messing with your emotions somehow. So that's no good. <laughs> Poor little damsel that I am. <laughs> it's definitely a dream where the feminine is good and the masculine not so much in this. And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be actual masculine people in real life. But like, you know, when we talk about feminine versus masculine and masculine is the getting things done and rule setting and boundaries and stuff like that. Do you feel like your relationship with that kind of stuff right now is more fraught than your relationship with the feminine kind of stuff? Good question. My relationship with myself is fraught (laughs) across the board right now. (laughs) So that's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know. At least we know that these masculine figures are poking at the you in drag. So that's some kind of conflict between masculine and feminine going on. Yeah. Yeah, probably even the fact that I'm in drag is is a uh, a duality in that. You know, there's a masculine and feminine. Yeah, I don't see conflict in that so much, though, because that's like a choice, right? I mean, you're choosing to look how you want to look, which is masculine on the inside and more feminine on the outside. But yeah, I don't think there has to be conflict in that. That could be just more a natural expression of integration, you know? But also being hassled by the masculine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. In a time of pandemic, we are being hassled by the masculine as far as not being able to get done what we usually get done and you know, having to enforce rules and stuff that we didn't usually have to enforce. And right. Because you're a flight attendant. And so I know that, you know, you're having to enforce more rules than you used to about, you know, all the silly people who don't want to wear masks and whatever. And that puts you in a very masculine kind of role as far as like rule setting and boundary setting. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Just one thing. That's just something we were talking about the other day. So, OK. OK. So then. You've let the guys out. You get back in the bus and tell the driver that you need a transfer. And she hands you two and says they cost a penny each now. And you said that one of the images that really stuck with you from the dream is seeing the two handwritten transfer cards and the two pennies in your hand. Right. At the same time, for some reason. Yeah. So when you have that image from the dream, it means it's important somehow. So I like that that there are four items in your hand, right? Because four is one of those perfect numbers. Four is considered kind of a number of completion. And it's nice that there are two and two. So that's kind of balanced somehow. It's two of what you have and two of what you're paying for it. Right. It's an interesting instant at first she has the transfers and you have the pennies and then at the end it's vice versa but what freeze framed for you was that one image where you still have 
both of those things. Right. So a little bit, it feels like the time when you still had all of the assets, all of the resources, you had the transfers and your money still. Right. And the transfers are so that you can get home. Well, so when I first read this dream, probably because I just put out my sleep casts where I was reading the Psyche and Eros myth for everybody, I thought about the two transfers and two pennies as the two cakes and two coins that Psyche had to take on her journey to the underworld. For everybody who doesn't know that myth, you should go check out my five-part sleep cast series of Psyche and Eros because it's an amazing myth. But I'll just briefly say that it's Psyche's fourth labor where she's trying to get back her man. And so she has to prove herself to his mother. His mom, Aphrodite, tells her she has to go down into the underworld and get some beauty ointment for Persephone. But of course, Psyche needs to do that without dying. And so she has to protect herself. A tower talks to her and tells her what she can do to to go down there without dying and be able to escape. And he tells her that she'll need money for the ferryman so that he will row her across the river Styx into the underworld. And he tells her that she also needs cakes Uh, that will distract the dog Cerberus that guards the entrance so that she can give him the food so that he'll ignore her and she can sneak by him. And she has to take two of each because she needs to give a coin to the ferryman and a cake to the dog on the way in and then on the way back. And so I was struck by this two and two. Two pennies seem like the coins for the ferryman. And then the two transfers seem like your path to get by the dog and get into the entrance of the underworld somehow. So that's what I was thinking, like archetypally, that this made sense. And the underworld symbolizes... Maybe it's more like the mission part of it or the journey part of it. Psyche is acting in order to try to save her life, improve herself so that she can be reunited with her man. And so, so I was trying to think about could we make this bus journey into some kind of journey for you that's going on right now? Yeah. It sounds like the whole dream is about a journey, right? Because I'm in a car, I'm walking, I'm in a bus. So it's, it's obviously a journey, a quest, as, you, as it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it's just to get home. But home could be true self. Mm-hmm. And you're having to overcome obstacles like people poking you and assaulting you for looking the way you want to look at the moment and people who try to trick you by flirting with you and then ignoring you that's always part of the hero's journey psyche and eros is sometimes considered the heroine's journey because it's a woman instead of a man so then you get to your stop you get out of the cab and the dream is over so do you feel like you're home now or what do you feel like at the end of the dream i don't know i woke up Do you mean you felt like you woke up before the dream was really over? It doesn't seem like it because I got out of the the cab. Okay, so now we got to try to put this all together and pull out some some themes. What's striking you so far? It seems really significant that the feminine is so prominent in it to the point that, that the transfer thing even seemed... Because the word trans isn't the word transfer. Oh, I didn't think of that. But yeah, our the psyche totally uses puns and stuff like that. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I love puns. I'm a punny guy, so <laughs> that seemed pertinent. And the fact that I was in drag seemed like a big deal. So, I mean, so there's a lot of transportation in the dream, right? At every part of the dream, you're going somewhere or on the way somewhere. At first, you're with the women, and then in the rest of the dream, you're at different bus stops and on the bus waiting to get closer to your home. Uh, so it's definitely kind of a a journey or a pilgrimage. And there's like a lot of movement in the dream. Yeah. And we meet the woman driver with the expensive house and who's basically helping to unite these neighborhoods into a larger collective. And we talked about how that's part of the dynamic of what's been happening to you in the last part of the pandemic. And then there's the part where you realize you're in drag and the guys are poking at you and you have to drop the groceries and lose the onion in order to protect and defend yourself. We're meeting more part of you. We're meeting the masculine parts that are not as integrated and, and playing nicely with, with your more feminine parts somehow. And then we meet the guys that you're sitting in the bus with who also are not totally on the up and up because first he's flirting with you and then not anymore. And then... The end part is needing the transfers, which cost money now. And that image of having two transfers and two coins in your hand, like this is how I'm going to pay for myself, how I'm going to get home. If we're taking the psyche and arrows view, this is how I'm going to get somewhere and, and be able to come safely back. It's also a journey. Yeah. It's also interesting that you only asked her for one transfer, but she gave you two. Yeah, I thought that was, thought that was a Yeah, it's like she knew that you had further to go than you thought or you were going to need to take more buses than you thought or that you needed to go down and back if this is a, an underworld kind of journey. Right. Yeah. And then once you pay for your transfers and have them, you're home. Or you're at your stop at least. Yeah. Yeah, because the journey's not over at that point. Okay. So then you're going to go on and use your transfers to, to get home. There's definitely something about this journey being dominated by the feminine mm -hmm. and kind of being harassed by the, the masculine. The journey is going to take me further than I thought it was going to take. And it might even, might even take going in a little deeper than I would have wanted to go. Mm, yeah. I think because of the stuff that has been going on with um, my ex, mm -hmm. Jamie. Yeah, the trans and the drag. I mean, because part of the conversation I've had with Jamie has been my own need to sort of express more feminine, to have more of a feminine expression. Does that make sense? Well, and all the female characters in the dream are supportive, really, because there's the one driving you around and her friend. And there's your sister who you don't have a lot of interaction with, but I assume that's kind of a supportive thing. And you're in drag for part of it, um, which is like how you want to appear at that time. So that's like owning yourself and sources of support. And then the bus driver who wants you to pay for the transfers, but knows that you need more than you asked for and is also driving you around and getting you closer to home. So maybe the message really is don't be ashamed to rely on all of the more feminine resources that you have, because there's a lot of these supportive characters in your psyche that are looking out for you yeah. as you go on your journey to the underworld or self-discovery or learning to stand up for yourself by getting angry and sticking up for yourself against those guys, by building your community, by letting the people buy into the HOA. Yeah, I think that's a pretty unified theme then. Yeah, yeah. So it really does seem like this dream 
picked out some of the themes of your life right now, the building more community and the dealing with the gender issues, both internally and with your ex, and then having the the money to buy the transfers to continue your journey and get back from wherever you're going. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for bringing on your dream and letting us talk over it. I think that yet again, we've proven that dreams are capturing your inner dynamics as they are right now. So thank you. Thank you, Amy. I'm uh, glad we could finally do this. Me too. <laughs> I'm glad I finally have a dream that it was worthy. <laughs> a dream that was worthy. Oh, the standard must be high. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's the show for this week. In the next main episode, we'll spend some time looking at shadow dreams about repressed parts of ourselves. My next two weeks are pretty time intensive as far as training for my new job, so I'm not sure I will get an episode out next week but rest assured i'll be back the following week i haven't forgotten you guys or abandoned you you can always email me directly with dreams or comments at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com and head on over to my website at stuffofdreams.fireside.fm to find show notes for each episode links etc thank you so much for listening and if you liked it i encourage you to tell a friend about it this week Let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now, and I hope you dream tonight. Mm -hmm.